Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, so you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's totally going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Oh How are we all doing? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. So far, so good. I was just telling uh, him that um, it's like 7 a.m. here. You guys are like in the middle of the day. So. <laughs> you know, what? I just realized that it's completely different time. So um, thanks for having yeah. us, though. Yeah. 7 a.m. for Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two o'clock here. Yeah, Might have been up an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, we're night people. We are morning people. <laughs> I mean, again, like that works though. If you guys are like in a good rhythm, like you guys are staying up late and then waking up late, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it kind of does work for now. It's not very in keeping with the cycle of the sun, which is <laughs> for efficiency, but like no. it's the only thing we know. I guess it comes from just touring, really. That it's like an overhanging schedule that never leaves you. Like you come yeah. back off the road and it's just. It comes to like 12, 1 a.m. and your body's like, yeah, we're usually out and about full of adrenaline at this time. So Yeah, exactly. I think that's it. Yeah, you literally get, because the worst thing is like you come off and that, although I haven't really had that, it's obvious that my body's so used to that now because we haven't had it for obviously a year. But yeah, the moment you've come on stage is like the most awake and alive <laughs> you yeah, basically yeah. are during the day. So uh, it does mean you crash hard though. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you hear that with most bands too. Like you guys yeah. are collaborating on stuff, you guys, and at the end of the time, like time, like isn't really a factor unless you guys are on tour and you know you have to be at the venue at a specific time. That's it. That's it. I think that, and like sometimes, you know, the most active or the most sort of uh, what's the word? Um, the, the you work best sometimes when you're when it gets to that time of night where it's quiet and you have a sort of moment of there is nothing else for me to do but think about me and what i'm thinking you know reflection okay. um you don't really get that in the day a lot of the time or you know when it's noisy even here it's like you know i live somewhere it's, it's fairly quiet there's not much going on 
but there's always noise. There's always the sound of like, you get the trains now and again, you get like, you've got the people doing their gardens, you've got like the, you know, the cars up and down. And even that little bit of noise is sort of enough to take me away from right. what I'm used to, to that, from that silence where I'm, I sort of work best, I think. That's interesting. Well, were, were you guys hit hard with the pandemic and everything or are things kind of, you know, status quo over there? Um, yeah, like we were, we were punched in the face. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it, basically, it couldn't have come at a worse time really for yeah. us, I don't think. Uh, yeah, but I think yeah. It's, it's, it's the same for a lot of people around here. Like it's pretty much everything's just on pause really. Yeah. And um, we haven't really been able to see each other because of the whole isolation thing. So it's made it hard to meet up and write and record and do things like that. So the whole thing's just kind of on ice until we can resume normally again really but oh, yeah. yeah it's been the same for everyone like it's um it's a difficult time we've not really done any we didn't do any of the online shows or any of the streaming things either um just wouldn't feel the same really right. i mean i feel like that's hard to do like if you're yeah you know like one of those like insanely like mainstream hip-hop bands or like even like a band like the foo fighters or something like where you kind of have to like put something out just to keep like yeah those millions of followers at bay. Like, I feel like that's why they did it. But I don't think anybody truly enjoys doing anything over, you know, zoom or over, uh, the, like live streams, because like, like you said, like it's about the crowd. Like once you get there and you hear the roar of the crowd, there's your adrenaline, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so difficult. I'm sure. Oh, hundred percent. I think, and, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause like I, um, Andrea, like attest to this, I spend my life online. Like I, I pretty much, I'm always online. Like I, I, I stream almost every day, but streaming music is it, like a band performance. It's just, it's so it's different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it reminds me of, you know, when you do like a radio show or, um, and I'm thinking specifically about certain ones, like the one we did, we did one in Poland. Um, we did like three tracks. I think we did three, was it? Or two? I can't remember what the radio was called now. Um, anti-radio. That was it. No, no, not the anti-radio oh, one. one. That oh. one was actually all right. Do you remember the... Oh, the it was a live session that we did. Yeah. yeah, and I think we did three the tracks. News OFM. That's the one. News OFM. And, you know, you do those... You want to do a live performance. And for us, like, performances... I, I think I can, I can speak for everyone in our band. It's, it's almost a chance to let loose. Like, it doesn't matter how your day's been it feels better after you performed. We could be having the worst day and expecting to have the worst show of like a tour. And I guarantee that show will be the one that you come off and go, oh yeah, that was good. You know, and there's, yeah. so, but when you, you do that, it's always like, you know, obviously a bit of crowd, the crowd participation, the energy from something like that. When you go and do something in, where it's just you guys and you're trying to still give it that, you know, that passion and that energy, and it's, it's so hard to do it without getting anything back, oh, you yeah. know, from it, it's a really sterile environment. I feel like all the live streaming things, it, I don't think it would have really done us any favors, honestly, because it yeah, would have agree, had yeah. that feeling to it. And you can't vibe off the comments, can you? <laughs> no, exactly. It's, it's, you know, I, I watched, um, I've watched other bands do it. Some yeah, bands I quite like, like, uh, I watched one with, uh, Yonica. I don't know if you've, you've heard of Yonica. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, they, so. Yeah. They did, um, 
there was actually some amazing artists on this uh, this like Twitch live stream, and it it had a load of a load of but and I, they've got some great energy, like they're an amazing live band. And even then, even I could tell that they were like, just when you know you can put yourself into that frame of mind of what they're doing and they're in front of the thing, and you could tell that they don't feel right doing it. But you know, it's. You, like you were saying, to hold on to all those fans, all those people who are, it's about keeping your name out there and having something like COVID, when you're a band that predominantly are known for your live performance, it's very hard to keep that uh, momentum, I think. Oh, yeah, because, uh, I mean, I speak from no experience whatsoever. My brother's a musician. He moved to Nashville, Tennessee a few months ago. I'm just, you know, like mm-hmm. a journalist. But just from speaking from, like, an outsider's perspective, it seems to me that they're two totally different entities playing live and then recording in the studio. And like, like you just said, like some people adapted well to doing live streams because, you know, like you can play a song and then tell a story for your audience and, you know, you can interact yeah. there in the comments all the time, clicking away. But uh, when you're yeah. actually at the show, like you just alluded to it too. Like you guys feed off the emotion of the crowd in a sense to, you know, have that adrenaline. You said you guys can all come together having like the worst days of your life and then you go on stage and it like doesn't even matter because you're feeling the roar of that crowd. Do you feel like that every single time you go out or are there are there shows that just don't click? I mean, I'm sure there's certain occasions where things just didn't click the same way they did the night before, but like do you guys always have that same mentality like it doesn't really matter how our day is going because when we get on stage, that's when the red lights on and we're going to be all collectively in the same great mood and have that chemistry. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, definitely. I mean, it's uh, I, I mean, from the very early days, I think, like, I bef- before I was technically in, I've always been in Oz and Love, but we were a band before that called All Oz on Drugs, and we moved obviously, we changed the name, and but we essentially were sort of the same band, but I wasn't originally in the band then, and even from when I went to see. I used to go and watch them. I, I think I watched you guys about three or four times before I was in, in the band and I'd seen loads of online stuff and I remember hearing songs. But the first time I watched them, I was like, they have more energy and more passion about what they're doing than anyone else I've ever seen playing. You know, I've seen bit, much, much bigger bands who cared less about their performance and about how the, like, their songs or how they were perceived. And, and it, I, it, I think it was that, it just... There were like I think the first time I watched, there weren't many of us in the crowd. You know, there were maybe right. ten of us or something like that. But everybody who was there was watching, was amazed, and I, I guarantee every single person went away with the same thing I thought and said, "Wow, what a band!" You know, just that. And and so when I joined as well, I I never wanted to go on the stage and ever be. I always wanted people to think what I'd thought the same time I'd seen it. And I know we always go out and you know. It doesn't matter if there's one or there's a hundred people there in front of you. You want that person to walk away. It's just as much for us as it is for the people that are there, you know, and you want them to walk away going, wow, they look like they have a good time. They look like they're enjoying themselves. They look like they care. And I think it's that care that's really important. Um, Cause you know, we obviously we all care about our craft and you know, there's times I've looked across the stage at Dre and we, you know, it might have been a really rough day, and we've probably not said a lot to each other throughout the day or whatever. And you know, there's it's usually outside stuff. It's not usually like, you know, things to do with the show that's coming up or 
with um it might just be that we've had a rough drive from somewhere or last night's show um you know we had uh, we'd lost some merch or you know just little things or that we've got coming up or we know uh, are going to cause a problem in the future and i've looked across on stage and you don't think about those things you know i see dre's is shredding his solo or something and i get that same thing that somebody would get from the crowd i'm just like yeah, this is great. You know, this, this, I, I can feed off that energy, my, my bandmates energy, I can feed off the crowd's energy. And you know that I think that just for a moment, even if it's during that half hour that we're playing 45 minutes hour, at least you're getting taken away from the problems that you might have. I think that's the most important thing about a performance is it's a bubble where, you know, it's an escape for just a, a, a little while. Okay, and when it comes to your fan base, like that's the foundation. Like if you guys show the passion up there and you guys are authentic with what you guys are trying to, you know, get people to buy into, they're going to buy into it, whether it's a hundred people, whether it's one person. And then, you know, that has a ripple effect. They tell their friends about it and, and then more people show up. And at the end of the day, you guys are going to have a lot bigger shows, especially when we come back. Cause you know, you're talking about the pandemic like, hitting everybody hard. Um, uh, uh, Lee Downer from Low Lives was telling me oh, yeah. about how they were overseas, like they were in Europe during the time that everything happened, and nobody really knew if we, they were going to be able to get back because yeah. it was so uncertain at that time. I think now everybody has a very good idea of what's going on, but then, like, it was so confusing. Like, are we going to be okay? Are we not going to be okay? Mm, People absolutely. who were overseas, like, it's it's very. Um, I mean, I talk about that, me being in Phoenix, you guys obviously uh, in England, but what was it for you guys? Like, where were you guys when it all went down? Were you guys touring? Were you guys back there? What was going on? We were in the studio putting together yeah. tracks for the second album. Wow. Um, we got about seven demos in. Um, some of it was sounding really good. And then sort of when it all came around and that sort of killed any potential of gathering together in the same environment. Um, so we had to kind of put it on pause from that point and it's, it's been paused since then really. So yeah, we were mid studio. Yeah. We were just doing, uh, tracks for album two and then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, it's so crazy. It's so weird as well. Cause I, it, it was like, um, as well, we'd just come off the biggest tours we've ever done. Yeah. We, some of the biggest shows we've ever done and the every, you know, numbers in terms of although it's you know it's not always as black and white as you know your growth isn't always directly related to the actual numbers you're getting on certain videos or songs or whatever um all of those things seem to be going in the right direction you know that you were seeing people are listening to us from like self in the states and you know more and more it was getting further and further the the word was was getting out there and we'd just done, obviously, a massive tour of Europe. That was going really well. We were going to be playing, well, we were supposed to play um, in Poland for uh, a massive radio station there, um, Anti-Radio. And they they put on, like, a festival. Well, I, actually, I can't remember. I think it's a festival oh, they put on. Yeah, and we were supposed to be playing that. And we, we had to cancel that because of, obviously, COVID. And um, it's these little things where you know, it's a, you've got this momentum and that's a stepping stone to the next thing. And, you know, that, that would have been a really big show in Poland for us. And it could have probably secured the next Polish tour, um, which in turn would have secured 
more tours around the area, you know, other countries around there. We probably would have gone back to Germany. Um, there's a few places we played now a few times and it's about getting that repeat, um, that repeat traction so that, you know, the audience can keep coming back. And, um, and yeah, like I say, we're in the studio. Um, and unfortunately, even though we got to, got to quite a good point with a second album, there's just, there's a lot of costs as well that go out with not just recording like an album. Um, but you know, stuff that isn't happening. There's, it's hard to have a load of people working for you and on the sort of the back line, there's nothing happening. And either, you know, it is, it would end up of costing probably a bit more money than it was worth because you've got PR people who've got nothing to PR. There's, there's people who are, um, and you know, even though it's not directly coming out of our pockets constantly, it's still, it, it doesn't feel right um to be not not having anything to put out and there not being anything um to be like heard or progress your career so it's probably just easier to pause um and have something that you feel more confident about later on you know rather than sort of half-assed stuff um yeah but i mean speaking to lots of people who are in the same boat and what the one thing or the, the one consensus seems to be, well, everybody's in the same boat. It's not like, you know, other people are playing shows and we aren't, no one's playing them. So it's, uh, it, it definitely is sort of a group mentality in that sense. It's not like anybody gets ahead. Oh yeah. It's, there's there's I mean, a disadvantage for everybody, you know? Exactly. You know, yeah. Everybody like, yeah, everybody's in the same boat. I guess that's like the only way you can put it. And like you were alluding to, you know, like, it's about, you know, everybody on your team, like not just you guys, like there's the people outside the band, whether it is PR, uh, you know, managers putting everything together, mm-hmm. like they, they don't have a job either when everything is going on. So like mm-hmm. you, you'd rather do it at a hundred percent capacity as opposed to half-assed, like you said, mm-hmm. but, you know, like during this time, like we're like literally a year now into it. Like are, mm-hmm. are you guys, you know, like right, trying to write stuff over Zoom? Or are you guys trying to do certain things? Or are you guys just like taking a break? Because like you just said, you came out with the second record and then all of a sudden, you know, like the world collapses and everything goes to shit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We all kind of, we got quite lucky in the sense that we've got individual things going on. Like obviously Jamal does his streaming. Um, Connor's got like a studio set up and he's, like he's working at the moment. I've got a studio set up. Um, Jason has like sort of part of been um, part of my bubble for a little bit. So he has been coming around. I don't know if we've been breaking the law. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we've, we have been like maybe in the last couple of months, like um, started to kind of meet up and start writing again and getting some material together. Um, nothing's really come to fruition from that, but like it got around around about the time we were like we just can't take this any longer we need to continue creating we need to do something whatever it is you know so we've been doing that in a sense but it's also given us like trying to look at the positives it's given us time to develop ourselves in a way so it's been a year of just looking inwards and just thinking what can i do now that i can't do that you know because that was all we did that consumed mm-hmm. us like in in a good way we were averaging like 150 to 200 shows a year and then you had rehearsals in between and writing and recording like it was it was our life basically mm-hmm. and then going from that you had to kind of become a moon to the earth in some sense and just try and find your own sort of 
thing to do that you know does incorporate that in some way so yeah we ended up doing like a lot of individual stuff um trying to do projects that don't involve gigging uh, writing and recording practicing like i say jamal's got his streaming thing going on so we've all kind of been finding things to do like why we can't do the the main venture yeah um, i mean like you guys for that yeah i mean like you guys obviously have to come together at, at some point when this is all over but like you guys doing your solo projects and writing your own stuff and like like you said kind of figuring things out uh when you guys are by yourselves over the past year i feel like that's what a lot of people kind of had to do or else you know you're yeah. not going to grow at all coming out of this you know like you have yeah. a you have literally the last 12 months to really you know get your stuff together and determine like what you want to do uh with yourself and with your career with it, yeah. like, the future you know like mm -hmm. so when you know in that sense like you guys are you know, everybody's kind of in a bubble or, or over the past year mm -hmm. to kind of figure everything out. Like when you guys look back at things, because I'm very interested to see how you guys both started, you know, uh, like when was like the first time, like you guys picked up a guitar first time you, you decided like, this is what I want to pursue with my life. And then, you know, you look back at that now over the past 12 months and determine what type of sound that you guys want to have moving into the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I, after you, I was going yeah, you carry on, you carry on. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> With a really good story about how I started playing guitar. <laughs> I, yours has got to be more interesting. See, uh, well, for, I think it's, it's interesting you say about the, you know, thinking about sound over the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of my favorite things actually over this lockdown before, before I, uh, Unfortunately, I live with someone who's quite like pretty highly vulnerable, and her mum as well is is very vulnerable. She's actually only just had a vaccine last week, <laughs> thanks to thanks to something our manager told us. It was just like you just need to phone them up and tell that you say, and it did work in the end. But um, so she's only just had a vaccine, uh, which is good though because you know means things going and moving forward. Um, but. I think, you know, one of my favorite things that I did at the beginning is, and I'd never, I'd not done this an awful lot. Like Dre's predominantly records everything. You know, when we're demoing, Dre, Dre's where we go. Dre knows his sound. I can't produce at all. You know, I don't really know how the software, there's no way I could work the software well enough to get something decent out of it. But I, I you know, I like to play my instrument. I like to come up with ideas. A lot of it isn't very musical or conventional in a lot of ways but dre is a great person to take that sort of thing too and he'll turn that into something that is musical is conventional he'll produce it and i think yeah like saying at the beginning um of lockdown i, I went over and we i played some some things i'd had for years you know there's everyone has the as a musician they have those little riffs those little bits of um writing that they've done that they never really think will go into anything and it was great to go and I did, we'd never done it before because when you're in a band as, that's, that was doing what we were doing, like Joe was saying, you know, 150, 200 shows, that's before practices, before rehearsals, before um, recording. You don't have, get a lot of time to go and share those things and spend time doing stuff like that. There's, but we did have a bit of time to do it. And I think we got some like really cool stuff out of it, like interesting sounds that aren't necessarily anything like what we sound like as a band playing together. Um, and it was fun to sort of explore things like that and knowing that we're capable of doing that as well, that we, we have the capacity to go, let's try something new and see how it, it comes out. 
Um, and like in this for the second album, I think you know the tracks we were working on. Uh, what was it? Three or four of them were things that you'd written, or I think from they were. Yeah, yeah, they were slightly leaning towards the electronic side of things as well. Like we yeah. had um, some drum loops, like on top of the actual drums, and then a lot of it was like sim space. We started introducing like new elements, but then we also kept the you could say like sunset yellow kind of sound where it's just you know drums guitars bass vocals so it was a combination of the two really like trying to you know move over into everything that we'd been hearing and also retain like elements of the old sound mm-hmm. um and i think that's what everyone's kind of been doing at the moment so um but th- there's a way to make everything an always in love song if you will yeah, um, yeah. and that's just by I don't know, getting in a room together and just playing it and seeing how close we can get to like what, what we've created on a recording, I suppose. I mean, that's very interesting to hear because like you guys are able to like come together, especially during this time to kind of mold and craft what each of you are kind of bringing to the table. But at the same time, you lost that like life experience factor where you go out, you play a gig, you have these life experiences and you're inspired to write something based off of those. How, how many of your, your guys' songs on this record, you know, come from, you know, those experiences of you guys either on the road or whether it's individual experiences that you guys brought together and were able to create and write a song? It's pretty much it. Well, on the first album, every single song is based on an experience that we had. And, and it could also go back to, like, your previous question about how did we sort of begin the whole thing um like the first song we ever wrote sunset yellow that came from an unplanned event like we were never intending to start a band so to speak we just got together i just got a new computer um i got my first version of garage band and jason came around we ordered a takeaway we had a few beers um and for some reason we just started playing a couple of guitar riffs like we were trying to figure out a progression to an all-american reject song i think um see that on a bowling for soup so i can't really remember and uh, we ended up finding like a chord progression that we'd not heard so we thought, oh, let's record that in started programming some drums um and then yeah jason was like oh slap a few lyrics on this so he started just reading words off the back of a kind of iron brew um and then just ended up making like the, the first song that <laughs> We'd, we'd not planned to, to make whatsoever, but that whole thing came from just wanting to get together uh, and just spend an evening just, you know, eating rubbish food, drinking yeah. beer, watching TV. But because we all love music and we all play music and have done in various projects, that kind of formulated into, you know, a, a piece of music that we'd recorded. And we thought, this is cool. Like, we'll release this, like, unofficially. We'll just put it on SoundCloud and we'll private message it to like a hundred friends each or something and then like the next day like we we woke up and it had like thousands and thousands of plays and we had messages on the soundcloud page like asking us to play shows like we'd not even really had a full band together so (laughs) at that point we were just like we better get a band together Uh, i i remember hearing that track and it's funny because whenever you talk about obviously i i've heard that uh, so many times before about how that came to be and it's funny when you describe it like that, you can tell, you get that vibe from the song. Like the song does feel like just hanging out. It's sort of a bit of a yeah. celebration of not yeah, having yeah. to do anything. It's sort of, a, it does feel like, 
a, a almost a lack of responsibility. Uh, not lack of that doesn't sound right, but you, do you That's know what I mean? Like true though, like you don't that, have that, any responsibilities at that at that age at that time. Yeah, it's like uh, nothing really matters. It's just we can just enjoy each other's company. And you're, you're right, yeah. No one, we didn't have anything going on. I think we'd every everyone had just pretty much come out of college, um, and that was at the point in our lives we were like, okay, it's time to either get serious or just hang out and see what happens. And I don't know, the whole thing just turned into. A, a band which was couldn't have asked for anything more really i mean it almost turned into the fact that you guys were kind of just goofing around and then at the same time they're like okay like let's get some gigs rolling like you guys are yeah, good. yeah, yeah. all these people that are tuning in and you're like oh god i guess we should uh, put put a band together like, no, <laughs> yeah. out That's of necessity exactly like, literally out of necessity because yeah I, and i'm obviously i'm incredibly grateful that they did at the time because else i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be here um, and i wouldn't have got to play so as nearly as many shows i mean i i was expecting when i joined the band i was expecting you know i will play the odd show here and there and like any other band i've been in the shows are few and far between um and you know the moment i joined i got a phone call from dre and he was uh, he was like well you know we we got quite a lot of shows sort of planned we got quite a lot of stuff planned and this is over the course of what was it maybe a year that you you guys just escalated into gigging yeah. Well, every yeah. week or a year. That was it. Yeah. It started just one or two a week. And then we, we were at the point where we would take any show that we got offered. Like sometimes it cost us to play shows. We must have played for a year and a half, just unpaid. Like we just, mm -hmm. we didn't take any money. We just took, you know, the, the gig because we knew that whoever was in the room, that was, that was our payment. You know, they would go and tell someone who would in turn tell someone else. And it yeah. wouldn't take long for the, for the crowd to build in the area that we were in and for some work to be out there. And then eventually we'd be worth something. But yeah, we did about a year and a half of uh, unpaid shows just for the love of it, really. We just piled in cars, borrowed equipment, did whatever we could, really. Some gigs were, you know, definitely ones that I don't want to remember because, you know, there's been <laughs> times when we were playing to nobody. <laughs> but you have to, you know, you never know what you'll get. And eventually it did get better. And then, yeah, it just got to the point where, I think it was really time to sort of get serious. So we had a few, you know, a member in the band that was, it had come to, you know, the end for him. He was like, I can't do this anymore. It's a lot of commitment. And then I remember phoning up Jamal because we'd seen his band play. Like he was in Sega Mega Drive band. Doing like <laughs> yeah, only played, the Hedgehog music. <laughs> only played cover, really? just covers of 16-bit yeah, yeah. music. Like at a festival that his brother had put on in Pontefract. Um, and he was just at the end of the stage, like with a bandana, just shredding bass. And we were like, we need a bassist. So we'll get that guy's number. We'll give him a call. So I think when I called you, I don't know if you were ready to leave um, Nottingley. You were like packed and prepared yeah. to go back down to Devon yeah. and go and live your life down there. And then I, I, I was literally about to join another band. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was literally about to, there was another band in Devon that, um, I'd been in previously like different names, different lineups, et cetera. And, um, and they said, look, if you want to come and play bass for us, like, because they had some stuff that was sort of, sort of happening and, um, you know, we'd love to have you back. And I was like, oh, I'd be really up for doing that. Um, they're really good, really talented guys as well. And then, yeah, Dre phoned me literally the day before I was sort of organizing that and. Uh, and my, or my brother, actually, you phoned my brother and he said, oh, yeah, Dre's on the phone. He wants to know if you want to uh, 
play baseballs and drugs and i was oh, just I did like yeah you, brother yeah, I, yeah I was you. just like yeah that's fine just put my bags back down yeah no i'm, <laughs> I'm this because you know this is a band that pretty much when i'd ever had seen them i'd just gone i'd been blown away and every song that got released I, i'd been sort of thinking wow the, how is this a, an unknown band uh just if this is the caliber of a you know your your average pub band up here then you know i i, I don't really want to go back down to devon because it is it was just so much more important to me than anything i'd heard from anyone else and um and i'm really glad i did because it pretty much was non-stop from that day honestly i think i did i had like seven days we went into the practice room i, I learned all the songs for the set then yeah and then it was just shows after shows i think we got the what was it um got in the top 10 hardest working bands two years in a row in the uk for wow. playing shows um that's, that's and, very impressive i think yeah we were surprised we sort of couldn't believe it we we're like what <laughs> why we just assumed every band must do this to get to yeah yeah you know that that point but you know there's a a hundred ways to to make it Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, those are the things that you probably wouldn't trade for the world too. Like all of those you know, either shortcomings or like, like you were saying, Dre, like the, those times on the road where you wish you hadn't gone through any of those experiences. Were there any specific, you know, gigs that you guys played that you remember, like you're playing in front of like one person and maybe no people and just thinking like one day this is all going to be worth it. And we're going to be able to look back on this and say like, I wouldn't trade any of this for the world. That's exactly the yeah. kind of thinking that gets you through those yeah. shows, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any, I don't know, even, you know, early days, you sort of give or take those shows. And you, like, we always just used to joke and say, our oh, posh practice sort of thing. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you that was our way to, of getting through it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was like, oh, for free. <laughs> yeah, we got to, you know, we're at this uh, venue, you, you get to play on the stage, it's, you know, that's, yeah, posh practice. Um, I'm, I can't think off the top of my head. I can't think any of those shows where I've thought, ah, oh, this is so not worth it. You know, the, because I always knew that there would be um, the next show uh, that would make you say the opposite of that. Do you know what I mean? That would be like, oh, this is worth it. And that show always comes along. When you're at your lowest low as a band, um, you know, morale wise, and there's so many things that can do that to you. There's, you know, it can be just a, a a bad release or something. You know, um, not necessarily a bad release, but you know, something maybe doesn't get as much as you were hoping. Um, again, mostly it's around the outside of the band type things, but you just have that uh, you know a bit of a low morale moment, and there's always that show that comes around that just rebuilds it and shows you that you know, oh, this is a hundred percent worth it. Um, and there's and they can come from the most unlikely of places. The, the best shows on tours are always the ones that you go, there's not going to be anybody at this place. We've never played this town before. It's in the middle of nowhere sort of thing. And it turns out there's a dedicated crowd of music lovers that, you know, they don't get many bands come through. And so when you do, you make an effort to go and play those places. Everybody turns out. And if you play and you give them the passion and energy that you give everywhere else, you know, they're, they're so grateful for that because, you know, this doesn't happen a lot in their town. Um, and I think that's 
I, that must be the same all over the world. You know, every every country has those less visited places. They don't appear on a lot of the tour posters or, or whatever. So when a band that's with a bit of notoriety, even, even bands that don't, you know, bands that it just, they clearly have something to prove, go there and do their thing. You know, it, they, they are like fans for life. And they're gonna they're gonna start traveling to the further shows. They're gonna get their friends to travel. They're gonna, um, and that's that really is like what rebuilds the uh, band's morale and and what keeps them going. What makes them do the next tour? What makes them yeah. record the next single? Um, so I'm very thankful for that. Oh yeah, I mean like you those types of gigs, like you said, like those those towns that aren't necessarily on the bill per se. Like when you guys are touring, like you're able to interact with people that. You know, like like you said, like you're inspired in a way that you didn't think you were going to be inspired. And that leads you to, you know, having that inspiration to go to the next city, the next town for the next gig and everything like that. Because it's almost a, uh, I don't want to call it like a second life, but like you guys are almost revived in a sense where you're inspired by these, you know, these towns where you're able to walk away with these certain experiences, these certain stories and are able to come together and, you know, whether it's, you know, writing something or even just walking away and thinking like, that was awesome. We got to play here again. Like yeah, yeah. definitely have to be awesome moments. Oh, absolutely. And they're, they're, you know, they're weirdly, they're more common than you'd expect as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they're, I, I'm trying to think of like the opposite thing and where it's just consistently almost not worth doing, but you still do it anyway, because there's no such thing as not not worth it um but in in the back of your mind you think why would we do that again but when you go and do it you're like oh yeah that's why right uh, and i specifically i'm thinking um workington dre like i think we played this place in workington yeah. three times in a row we played it three i don't know if actually they used to get some good bands come through there uh, they used to there were a lot of bands that are sort of in our scene on our circuit around the same time and everybody went and played Workington as part of their tour, usually. Um, and I think that comes more because the venue was smart and they were like, let's get people up here. There's not much going on. And you, it was this tiny little bar and you'd think, <laughs> oh no. Like when you turn up, you just think, oh no. And we've seen so many, like, it's one of those places where you just, you could write a sitcom based off the experiences of just being outside this place most of the time. And, uh, and we played there the first time and it was amazing. Um, actually, our first ever tour as a band, our first oh, ever wow. proper tour. Um, we played that, might even have been the first show, wasn't it, on that I tour? I think it was day one of the it was day one. Uh, three, three or yeah. four day tour that we were doing. And we, we took it because it was the only place that was offering us pizza playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere else is just, you know, no payment basically, but yeah. Workington gave us pizza. So that was uh, exactly. new to us at the time. <laughs> And it, yeah, we're, I, I remember being like, oh, as if we get food, you know, I'm not <laughs> yeah. having, I'm not having a service station meal deal for dinner today. And uh, yeah, we, we turned up, we turned up, you know, we played, it was a great show. People were really into it. And then we, we had this like dedicated set of fans, but in this place yeah. up in, you know, the middle of nowhere almost. Um, and then we did it and again, we did it a, a third time, I believe. I almost want to say we went back a fourth time, but I think a lot of, I think we played we somewhere done. sort of nearby and all of those people came to the show, you know, the next show we played. Wow. Um, 
and I think that's you know like saying that's what it's about it's about building that building those communities because that's that's what it is it is just a community people who are who are into especially in like the alt rock scene um and you know the the rock and metal scene it, that's a lot of those people know each other and they know each other from the internet they might be other sides of the country but if yeah. you're all fans of that scene and certain bands in that scene they will have seen your name about do you know what I mean they will have seen um, you're you posting on stuff, sharing things, and it's. I think that's more important than um, than the people getting together at the show is to know that you know they have they have friends that are across the country that maybe they might not they might sometimes feel somewhat alone when they're in their own town because there might not be that many people there who are into you know a band like Allers and Love or Allers and Drugs. But they know there are lots of people around the country who are who are also part of that community, and bringing all those people together from their little towns or villages to one town in the middle and seeing them like meet each other like that's a that's an amazing thing and I think a lot of bands obviously hundreds of bands do that oh yeah um, and it's not really something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, but it's definitely something that's really important to our band um that sense of belonging and community for people is is a huge huge part of what I, I want to do with my life, you know, um, being able to offer people that a place like that. Oh yeah. I mean, connecting with your audience and like those people and building those relationships, like they, that's like the ultimate power I feel like in life, you know, like having mm-hmm. that, that sense of being able to inspire others and think like, Oh my God, like these guys are awesome. Like not only are they awesome musicians, but they're awesome people. And like, that's yes. most important at the end of the day, when you guys are going all over the place, like, like you guys are saying, like, whether you're getting paid money or you're getting paid with food, whether it's pizza, <laughs> whether it's, you know, like you guys are building those relationships, you're being kind, you're, you're doing your thing, you're being authentic, you're being yourselves. And that, you know, shines through at the end of the day and allows people to say like, okay, they're, they're, they don't think they're big shots, you know, like they're, they're mm-hmm. normal people that they, they want to yeah. communicate with us and they want to build that repertoire with us. Oh, hundred percent. You've got to, well, you've got to make them feel welcome and no one is above anyone, in my opinion, doesn't matter what's going on. I mean, we would go on those tours, that show in particular, like I remember that first day we had nowhere to stay every single night. And the plan was we can hopefully just find somewhere if we ask around or if we just, if we have to, we'll, we'll sleep in the van that has, you know, solid wooden floor and it's mold all over it. stank of like yeah, yeah. stank of dog because <laughs> we we loved people and we loved playing to people we would always have great interactions at the end of the show and we'd always luckily find somewhere like that was our first first time like sleeping somewhere as a band i think we a few of us slept on a concrete floor at some guy's house that would came to the show and just I was like, yeah, come back. We can, we can help out. So, you know, we'd take anything that we could get at that point. And, you know, we never wanted to make the audience feel like they were, you know, small. Like I, I, I really hate sometimes like when you play and you're on a really big riser and the crowd are like really far underneath. Like I, I used to love the shows where you were playing to the crowd. You were like face to face with the crowd in a small sweaty venue. Like everything was, there was no barrier between you and them. Like, you are them and they are you and you're all there experiencing that moment at the same time. And, um, that's, that's what we were all about. And that's why we, we, we did what we did just to make people feel something and for them to make us feel something, you know, there was no, I'm um, above you hierarchy or anything like that. And a lot of bands do 
like admittedly yeah you do need a little bit of ego if you're doing like a maybe a front man role or something like it a little pepper of it is nice but mm-hmm. we, we were never that band really mm. i mean no. yeah i mean like i feel like what you were saying like playing to the people like you'll you'll see like the risers and the big stages because of security reasons and stuff like that when it comes to, yeah you know? see, it's hard to get a connection it's still doable obviously but you know there's nothing beats the the feeling of playing like in a small crammed room. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sure. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.